0: All right, you got your Bibles open this morning. Uh, turn them to Isaiah, Isaiah chapter one. We're going to look at Isaiah chapter one, a few verses from Isaiah chapter one and Isaiah chapter two. I like this book uh, of Isaiah, the prophet. When you uh, when you look at the prophetic books of the Bible, it's actually a pretty big portion. <laughs> Uh, of your Bible it's really from Isaiah all the way to Malachi which is the book right before the New Testament right before Matthew so I mean just it's you know it's a big chunk of your of the Bible there from Isaiah to, to Malachi a big portion of your Bible and these are called the prophetic books not that they're not that there isn't prophecy in uh, the other books of the Bible because, I mean, there's, there's prophecy in Genesis uh, right from the very beginning. Uh, there's prophecy in, in, in Psalms. Uh, there's prophecy in all these different uh, books of the Bible. But from Isaiah all the way to Malachi is what is called uh, the prophetic books. And these were true prophets. Uh, these prophets uh, spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit, according to second Peter uh, chapter one and verse twenty one and prophecy is in the simplest form, prophecy is just speaking the revealed word of God. So speaking God's message. And many times when we think of prophecy, we think of future tense, but it could even be, you know, present. Uh, speaking God's revealed word present. Even, even a sermon this morning could be considered, you know, speaking God's revealed word out of the, out of the Bible. And so, uh, when you think of the prophecy books, there are what's called the major prophets and the minor prophets. Uh, the f- first five are called the major prophets. The last 12 are called the minor prophets. And it has nothing to do with their importance. You say, well, I wouldn't read the minor prophets, just read the major prophets. It has to do with the length of the book. And so the major prophets are the longest of the prophecy books. And those major prophets are Isaiah, Jeremiah, the Lamentations of Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and Daniel, and then the twelve minor would be from Hosea all the way to Malachi. Isaiah is the longest of all the prophecy books, so I guess you could say that Isaiah is the you know the major major uh, prophet because there are sixty six books in Isaiah. <laughs> and every time I think about this, it just I don't know. This fascinates me. I get pretty excited about it every time I think about it. But there are sixty six. Chapters in Isaiah, and there are 66 books in the Bible. Many folks have said that Isaiah is like a mini Bible within the Bible, because when you start to look at how Isaiah is broken out, the old there's there's the major division of the Bible. Of course, is the Old Testament and the New Testament, right? And Isaiah is broken out the same way. The first. one chapter 1 through chapter 39 of Isaiah is so much different than the last 27, chapter 40 to 46 of Isaiah, that there's an obvious break. There was even some scholars that had thought at one time that there was two separate authors. It was so different. And so it's so interesting to see how Isaiah, uh, the first part is like the Old Testament and then the last part is like the New Testament of our Bible, but it even goes further than that. When you start looking at each chapter of Isaiah, uh, they they can correspond with each book of the Bible. It would take a long time to prove this to go through it all. But when you look at like Isaiah chapter one and verse two, he's talking about the creation of the heavens and the earth, just like Genesis you go all the way down to Malachi and in uh, the Malachi uh, the uh 39th book of the Bible is is like the 39th cha- chapter of Isaiah then the 40th chapter of Isaiah is starts off <laughs> prophesying predicting the ministry of John the Baptist which corresponds with Matthew when you get to Matthew that is the ministry of John the Baptist uh, you can follow this all the way to in Revelation The last chapter, Revelation chapter 21, uh, he's talking about the new heaven and the new earth. And Isaiah chapter 66 is talking about the new heavens and the new earth. You say, why is that so significant? That's just a miracle. The chances of that ever happening, written 750 years before Christ. With all these different authors. uh, And this was before the canon was put together, the order of each book. Oh, man, the chances of that happening are just, that's what gives me faith in the Scripture that not only was it inspired by the Holy Spirit, but the order of the books was even inspired by the Holy Spirit. And it's just amazing to see that happen in the, in the book of Isaiah. Isaiah, it, it, again, I told you I, I love this book. I love the, the message of Isaiah is, um, is an interesting one. Isaiah prophesied during multiple kings, but the most uh, famous of the kings was Uzziah and Hezekiah, kings of Judah. And this was before they went into captivity. Judah, before it went into the Babylonian captivity. And his message or his prophecy was about the sinful condition of the nation. Then he prophesied about the coming captivity because of their sinfulness and unrepentance. Then he prophesied about the, God's redemption, the coming Messiah, the Messiah's suffering, the kingdom that was to come, His everlasting kingdom. Uh, uh, Isaiah has is rich in prophecy. Now the condition of Judah, or the condition of Israel at that time... Uh, In 2 Chronicles uh, chapter 26, Uzziah begins to reign at uh, 16 years old. And Uzziah began to uh, seek after God. He sought after God. And the Bible says that the Lord prospered Uzziah. The Bible says that the Lord helped Uzziah. Now this is, again, this is one of the kings in which Isaiah prophesied under. Uh, The Bible says in 2 Chronicles... that that God marvelously helped Uzziah because he sought after him. Uzziah began to build walls. He began to build uh, uh, towers. He built wells, dug wells. He built a huge army, had all kinds of success in battle. (coughs) He built all kinds of wealth. But then later in life, he got... Proud, He got arrogant and he fell. Uh, He took matters into his own hands and got away from the Lord. And so that helps us get into the context of where we're at now. You're in Isaiah chapter 2. Isaiah chapter 2. You know, pride is a killer. It will hurt. It will destroy your own life. If you'll... Become arrogant and and proud. There are so many examples of this. In Proverbs chapter 16 and verse 18, the Bible said, Pride goeth before destruction, and a haughty spirit before a fall. In Isaiah chapter 2 and and verse 5, the Bible says, O house of Jacob, come ye and let us walk in the light of the Lord. Therefore, thou hast forsaken thy people, the house of Jacob, because uh, they be replenished from the east, and are soothsayers like the Philistines, and they please themselves and the children of strangers. Their land also is full of silver and gold, neither is there any uh, end to their treasure. Their land also is full of horses, neither is there any end. Of their chariots, they're doing really well. The economy is booming, right? Uh, Financially, everything is going great and in their favor. Their land also is full of idols. They worship the work of their own hands, that they that which their own fingers have made. Now, skip ahead, verse eleven. The lofty looks of man shall be humbled. And the haughtiness of men shall be bowed down, and the Lord alone shall be exalted in that day. For the day of the Lord of hosts shall be upon every one that is proud and lofty, and upon every one that is lifted up shall be brought what? Lo. The Bible has plenty of examples of of arrogance, of pride uh, coming before destruction, this haughty spirit that comes before a fall uh, in an individual's life and in a nation, trusting in themselves, trusting in the, the work of their own hands. You look back through the history, it was God that helped Uzziah. It was God that helped build up Uzziah. And again, it's hard not to read this and not to begin to, make a correlation to our, our nation and our country and our place. Hold your, hold your uh, finger there and Isaiah will be back, but let's go to another one of the major prophets, Daniel. Daniel chapter 4. And the time of this passage that we're going to read is, again, an amazing thing, is during the captivity which Isaiah prophesied would happen. In other words, Isaiah prophesied about a lot of things. Some of them did happen already, and some of them are yet to happen. But my faith in the things that are yet to happen is built up because of all the things that he prophesied that did happen to the very year. So they'd be in captivity for 70 years, and that's how many years they were in captivity. That's amazing. Daniel chapter chapter 4. One of the kings that... God used in taking the nation of Israel into captivity. One of the kings that ruled over them was King Nebuchadnezzar. Because of Israel's misfortune uh, and God judging them, Nebuchadnezzar is blessed. He's got all this uh, success and all this uh, kingdom that he has built up. Look with me in Daniel chapter 4 and verse 28. He says, All this came upon the king Nebuchadnezzar. At the end of 12 months, he walked in the palace of the kingdom of Babylon. The king spake and said, Is not this great Babylon that I have built for the house of the kingdom by the might of what? My power, for the honor of my majesty. While the word was yet in the king's mouth, there fell a voice from heaven saying, O King Nebuchadnezzar, to thee it is spoken, the kingdom is departed from thee. And you know the story. He says, I'm, I'm gonna, the people are going to drive you out as this super successful king. The people are going to drive you out and for seven years you're going to live Uh, live under the stars, you're going to live out in the fields, you're going to eat grass like an animal, you're going to be humbled to the greatest degree. And exactly that happened. Nebuchadnezzar goes for seven years and lives like an animal, sleeping under the stars, eating grass. And verse 34 the Bible says, and at the end of the days Nebuchadnezzar lifted up, uh, I Nebuchadnezzar lifted up mine eyes unto heaven. And my understanding returned unto me. And I blessed the Most High. And I praised and honored Him that, ha- that liveth forever, whose dominion is an everlasting dominion, and His kingdom is from generation to generation. He had a difference of opinion after seven years of living like an animal, didn't he? He had a, he had a different mindset from, I built this great kingdom to, oh my goodness, look at this everlasting God whose generation, uh, or whose kingdom is from generation to generation. Verse 35, And all the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing, and he doth according to his will in the army of heaven and, above, and among the inhabitants of the earth. And none can stay his hand or say to him, What doest thou? At the same time, my reason returned unto me. You know, it's just reasonable. We're going to, in Isaiah, look at something that's just reasonable. But it's just reasonable to recognize God the Creator for who He is. For His might and for His power and for His majesty. Verse 37, this is what King Nebuchadnezzar said. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the King of heaven, all whose work are truth and His ways judgment. And those that walk in pride, He is able to abase. You know what Nebuchadnezzar said? I realize now that this great success that I had, I realize now that this kingdom that was handed to me, uh, the, 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 uh, the ability that I was to be able to conquer Judah and Israel and take these captives, uh, this was all part of God's plan. And I just happened to be on the right side of it. It's not because I was so smart or uh, the, the kingdom that I built was not because I was so great. It was because of God. He recognized this is this is a this is a theme that kind of goes through the scripture in Acts. In Acts chapter 12 and verse 21, the Bible says, And upon a set day, Herod arrayed in royal apparel, sat down on the throne and made an oration unto them. And the people gave a shout, saying, Is this the voice of God and not of man? Herod was such a good speaker. All the people, whoa. Look at Herod. Look how wonderful. Look how great he is. And you know what Herod did? He took all the credit for himself. He took all the praise to himself instead of reflecting some of the talents and the abilities that God had given him. He took it to himself. And the Bible says in verse 23, And immediately the angel of the Lord smote him because he gave not God the glory and he has eaten with worms and gave up the goats. Died immediately. You say, what is the... Answer to pride. What if pride is such a killer? If pride is such a a destructive thing in an individual's life and in the in a nation, what's the answer to it? How do we how do we get this out of our lives? How do we uh, uh, keep ourselves from it? Now turn your Bibles. We're going to turn to a few scriptures today. So take your Bibles and turn to James chapter four. James chapter four. Now these are some good verses to look at, maybe even good verses to mark in your Bible, in James chapter 4, in verse 10. You know, you can can sense arrogance, can't you, coming up? Can you feel that inside of you? Someone says something. uh, uh, Someone uh, disrespects you, or you don't feel like you're getting the glory or the praise that you deserve. You know, something down inside just starts to well up. It's good from time to time for us to humble ourselves and recognize that any any talents or abilities that we have are God given. James chapter four and verse ten, the Bible says, "Humble yourselves." in the sight of the Lord. And He shall lift you up. I believe if God is going to use us, if God is going to lift us up, if God is going to help us, we have to continually be humble toward the Lord. And sometimes it's good to humble ourselves. You say, how do you humble yourself? I don't know. I think when you feel in these, these uh, emotions inside of arrogance and pride, especially toward other, other people, to be able to just humble yourselves and step back from that. He says in, in the passages before it, look at verse 6. He says, But he giveth more grace. I'm talking about the Lord. Wherefore he saith, God what resisteth the proud, but giveth grace. To the humble. Don't we want grace? God's riches at Christ's expense. All the things that we don't deserve. God giving graciously to us. Don't we want that grace? He says, how do we do that? He says, uh, He giveth grace unto the humble. Verse 7. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. You know, from time to time in our lives, there's ups and downs, right? There's... Uh, you know, we've talked mountaintops and valleys, uh, but in our in our life, there's going to be some failures. There's going to be some times when we uh, don't look so good, right? Uh, people question our ability, right? Sometimes uh, we could look at that and uh, and we could get proud about it. We could. Uh, get arrogant about it, but you know, as believers, as followers of Christ, we should look at that and say, hey, nothing happens by mistake, I'm going to allow God to humble me, right? Every now and again, it's good for us to be humbled, you know, you know what, what, what we could do with that? We could stiffen up against it, we could get angry about it, we could get upset about it, or we can submit to it. We can sometimes submit to God's humbling in our life. Why? So that we don't have to go through destruction. So that we don't have to go through self-destruction. Look at verse 8. He says, Draw nigh to God and He will what? Draw nigh to you. Isn't that a good promise? That if we take a step toward God, He will come toward us? Draw nigh to God and He will draw nigh Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts you double-minded. You know a a wonderful, humbling experience that we as believers should should do? That is repentance. Repentance. You know what repentance is? I'm a sinner. I've messed up. I've sinned against God. Right? You know what what humbling is? And, And repentance is it's taking the blame for our own faults. (laughs) <laughs> you, know, you know what arrogance will do? And you've seen it in your own life. When things go wrong and when there's problems like that, what do we do? We blame everybody else. And not just blame everybody else. It's so easy to start pointing out everybody else's faults. Look what they messed up. Look what they got away with. How did they do this? How did they get... I didn't get away with that, but look what they got away with. Look what they're doing. And had they not done this, I wouldn't have done that. Had they not acted this way, I wouldn't have acted like that. This is, not, this is not humility, is it? This is not true repentance. You know what true repentance is? David gives us an example of true repentance in Psalms chapter 51. He says, Have mercy on me, O God, according to thy kindness, according to the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. This is after the prophet came to him about the sin with Bathsheba and says, David, thou art the man. You're the sinner. You're the one that failed messed up. You know what the king could have said? You know what the powerful king could have said? Who are you to tell me? Right? But that's not what he said. He said wash me thoroughly from my iniquity. Cleanse me from my sin. David said for I acknowledge my transgressions. David said I acknowledge my fault. I acknowledge my sin. He says to the Lord against thee and thee only have I sinned. Purge me with hyssop." purge me with hyssop. He says, renew a right spirit within me. You know someone that is humble, someone that has a humble spirit or repentant spirit, you know they have a good spirit. Have you ever met someone that we, we say it like this, they have a chip on their shoulder? Where they just blame the world for all their problems, they blame their parents, they blame the system, they blame everybody. Everybody is, is at fault for their bad life and their you know you know sometimes and that may be true, don't you? That may be true, but it doesn't help, does it, to blame? You? It may be true, but, but you'd be around someone like that for a little while and you're like, man, that's a bad spirit. You're around someone that says, listen, I've messed up, it's my fault. You know, this 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 repentance chapter of repentance by David, uh, not one time did he blame Bathsheba. Not one time did he blame anyone else in, in this whole scenario for his thing he said it is my fault. I messed up. I was the problem. God please forgive me. That's a great great lesson of you know salvation for salvation for us to be uh, born again to come to know Christ. There's a humbling part of that, isn't there? We first have to admit that we are in need, that we need a Savior, that we need forgiveness, that our sins need forgiven. I, I, I think of the, the greatest passage on, on forgiveness and humility, and I know I've read it here before, but it's Luke chapter 9 and verse 19, where Jesus spake the parable of certain that trusted in themselves. That's arrogance, isn't it? Jesus said there's some that trusted in themselves. And you know what happens when they trusted in themselves? He said they trusted in themselves that they were righteous and they despised others. That's a result. When when you trust in yourselves, when you don't see God's hand in your life, you look down at other people and you think all these sort of things about other people. He says there was two men that went to the temple to pray. A Pharisee, one that trusted in themselves, and a publican. You know the tax collector that had that was known as a sinner throughout the Scripture. They say tax collector or publican and sinner. Uh, they went together. He says the Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself: God, be uh, I thank you that I am not as other men are—extortioners, unjust, adulterers—even as this publican. I fast twice in a week. I give tithes of all I possess. And the publican, standing afar off. Would not lift up so much as his eyes into heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God be merciful to me, sinner. Can you see the difference between these two postures? One coming to, you know, I don't even understand the reason for the Pharisee coming to the temple if he was so great. God, I'm just coming here to let everybody know how good I am, right? <laughs> But the publican said, "God, be merciful to me, a sinner." Jesus said, "I tell you, this man, the one that humbled himself, this man went down to down to his house, justified, or just as if he'd never sinned, rather than the other. For every one that what exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be." Exalted. We we make jokes about this, you know, uh, as for fun. Someone getting cocky, getting arrogant, uh, you know, playing a game, right? Uh, playing sports. We we we're laughing because we know someone's getting arrogant. Something's going to happen. They're going to get humbled, right? And that's funny. But in life, it's true. And in life, it hurts a lot worse than in a game, right? that when we start getting arrogant, when we start getting trusting in ourselves that we're righteous, uh, and we're not willing to humble ourselves and say, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I'm not looking at everybody else. I'm not blaming everybody else. I'm not trying to justify myself. God, You are in control. You are God. And today, I'm, I'm, I'm willing to humble myself and be reasonable. Look, at, uh, I turn back to Isaiah. That's what he's saying here in Isaiah chapter 1. Isaiah chapter 1. This is the message that Isaiah preached to the whole country to repent. You know what? They wouldn't. You know, you know why they wouldn't? Because he's telling them to repent or they're going to go into captivity... But yet they were so wealthy. They were so... Things were going so good. It's like, how could things go bad when everything's going this well? When Isaiah's preaching to them, everything was booming. The country was doing great. Isaiah was conquering the enemies. Uzziah was building walls, building wealth, building all these sort of things, and Isaiah's out there, kind of like the eyeball, saying listen, you guys are trusting in yourself, trusting God, repent of your sin. They're looking at him like, aren't you looking at the news? We're We're doing great. Everything's wonderful. There's nothing to worry about, Isaiah. You're acting crazy. Isaiah says in Isaiah chapter 1 and verse 6, wash you, make you clean, put away the evil of your doings from before mine eyes. Cease to do evil. That's his way of saying, stop it. Stop this evil. Stop the all the stuff that grieves God. That this nation, the nation of Israel, the the the, the, the nation of the of, tribes there with Judah. He's saying, listen, turn back to the God that, that blessed you and built you and brought you up into this nation that you are today. He says in verse 17, learn to do well. Seek judgment. Relieve the oppressed. Judge the fatherless. Plead for the widow. Come now. Let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. Can you imagine that the creator of the universe, the one that Nebuchadnezzar realized the greatest world power at the time, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, realized that God was in control? Can you imagine him saying to us and saying to them then, come now, let us reason together. Though your sins be as scarlet, though you've turned from me, though you are sinful, though you are trusting in yourself though you've built your own idols, though you've done all these things, come, let us reason together I'll forgive you though your sins be as scarlet, you can be made clean, you can be made white as snow isn't it wouldn't it be good to just be clean, have your clean slate that's what the lord's saying he said he says uh uh that He is faithful and just to forgive us if we ask. That's it. First John 1.9. Look at verse 19. He says, If you be willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. In other words, He's saying, hey, there's, there's judgment coming, but you can miss the judgment if you'll repent, if you'll come and just be reasonable with the Lord God that, that had you and, and, and brought you to this place. I'm thinking in our Christian life that if we're willing to humble ourselves, we're willing to repent of our sins, admit, admit the things that we have done wrong and humble ourselves before the Lord. Come to Him. And then have a willing and obedient mind, a willing and obedient heart. To get busy about what the Lord is having us to do. Just this last Bible study, we were talking about 1 Corinthians chapter 15, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, the resurrection, how He defeated death, and how He's defeated uh, all, all the enemies of a believer and given us the victory. And He goes through 57 verses of the victory that He's given us through the resurrection. And then the last verse of that chapter, He says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. I thought because of the forgiveness that He's given us, because of His blood that was shed for us, because of all these things, we can have a willing mind. We can be busy about the Lord's work. How many of us see ourselves this next week as being busy for the Lord, doing what He's called us to do? He has called us, has He not? Instead of just being focused on the world that's going on, we're all busy. We're all doing all these uh, things in business and work and a home. But how can we focus on the Lord having a willing and obedient mind toward Him and what He's called us to do? Being fervent about it. You know, on fire for the Lord. Faithful to Him. Fruitful. Fruitful in our Christian life. Seeing other people come to know Christ and being able to be an encouragement and a blessing to those in their Christian walk. As we close... Will you humble yourselves, all of us, corporately, uh, pray for our nation, but ourselves also, humble ourselves to say, hey, yeah, we may be uh, powerful, we may be healthy, we may be uh, smart, all these sort of things, but all these things came from God. We're blessed of Him. The things that He has given us, the things that He has blessed us with, all this glory goes to God. Willing to humble ourselves. Take the blame for our own faults. Would we be willing and obedient to serve the Lord? And in Romans chapter 12, he says that offering ourselves to the Lord is our reasonable service. Would you be reasonable? He says, come now. Let us reason together. The Lord, He wants to reason with us. Would we be willing to humble ourselves in acceptance? Let's pray. Dearly Heavenly Father, God, we come before You this morning, and God, we recognize You as uh, King of kings and Lord of lords, and God, uh, we come before You as Your people this morning and seeking uh, seeking after You. Lord, we want You to work in our lives. Uh, God, we want to be willing and obedient to You, uh, sensitive to Your Spirit's work in our lives, willing to repent when we stray away from You, when we get away from You, God. Lord, we love You. We need You in our lives. We need You in our family. Lord, we need You in our country. Lord, You are needed in this world. You are the light of the world. God, we ask You to come and to help us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.